0: Well, we've barely had time to move our cornucopia out of the way. and Some of you are still polishing off Thursday's leftovers. But this morning marks the beginning of Advent. Surprise! Advent is a season that, like today's Gospel reading, said, it comes like a thief in the night. People are never prepared for Advent because it is in itself a season of preparation. It's a season that goes against the grain of the culture. I mean, there's a reason why there are no Advent movies. <laughs> like Advent parades. Um, it highlights our waiting for the coming of Christ, both his birth and his return. It highlights the darkness in which the light of Jesus shines into. And waiting and darkness are hard things to get excited about. That's why people tend to treat it as the melancholy cousin of Christmas. But one of the most countercultural parts of Advent, I think, is its emphasis on wakefulness. A lot of Advent hymns have lyrics like, wakened by the solemn warning, or sleeper's wake, a voice astounds us. We'll hear that in our anthem today. There's an urgency in Advent's tone. The time is drawing nigh. And the passage from Romans that we heard from Mark this morning, it's right in line with this theme of wakefulness. The Apostle Paul, he sounds like an automated voice for an alarm clock. You know what time it is, how it is now the moment for you to wake from sleep. And that's the last thing I want to hear when I'm in bed and the blinds are still drawn. Now you might be a morning person, and if so, I will never understand you. But no matter who you are, uh, everyone prefers waking up on their own terms. But Paul seems to be implying that everybody in the world is half asleep. I mean, today with 70 million Americans reporting chronic sleep issues, he's not wrong. Sleep has become America's white whale. It's a $30 billion industry, everything from weighted blankets to smart beds and most of us are still longing for rest and renewal. But Paul's talking about something deeper here. I mean, even if you're feeling bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, there's still a problem as you go about your day. You are still you. So yes, yeah, so a good night's sleep, it will, it will probably make you more productive uh, and more enjoyable to be around. Uh, but it's probably not enough to save your marriage. Or, I don't know, help you not take everything so personally all the time, or so I'm told. (laughs) You see, Paul is saying that everyone, even those who got a full eight hours, even Christians, everybody is essentially walking around half asleep. So even at your most rested, if you still struggle with an inner darkness then where's their hope? Well, twice in this passage, the Apostle Paul calls us to put something on. He says, put on the armor of light. He says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's interesting that he illustrates the Christian life not as an inner change, but as outerwear. This is an intentional move Paul is making. In that day, calling people to put on Christ, it would have likely stirred up the image of a Greek thespian putting on a costume. Once the mask is put on, the actor's actual identity would be hidden behind the character that they portrayed. It's an interesting concept. I was not a theater major. The extent of my acting career um, ends at when I participated in a murder mystery dinner. This was a few years ago. And I remember before the event, I was sent an entirely fictional character. And there was a short biography, and there were personality traits I had to take on to be this person. There were tips on what to wear. I was even given instructions at the party, like people to talk to and people to avoid. In other words, my true self, my actual name, my actual biography, had no business being at this party whatsoever. I was told the more I could get into character, the better. And to be honest, I, mean, I thought this murder mystery dinner had sounded a little hokey and uh, pretty lame. I expected people to half-heartedly play into their roles and feel a little embarrassed by what felt like an adult game of dress-up. But what actually happened? I got there and people came alive. Friends of mine who were generally shy were rowdy. Strangers talked as if they were old friends. The chemistry in the room was electric. It was the most natural I've ever seen a group of people act. There wasn't a hint of self-consciousness because no one's actual self had been invited. For once in their lives, what people said or did had no effect on their reputation. They didn't have to be careful. And the result was that they were more themselves than they had ever been before. Leave it to a murder mystery dinner for people to feel safe. Now, this is true to life. The, The author, Oscar Wilde, he said, man is least himself when he talks in his own person. You give him a mask, and he will tell the truth. Now, of course, you and I, we we dress up ourselves all the time, don't we? Physical clothing, it helps shield us from the elements, it helps keep us dry, especially mornings like this. It helps distinguish ourselves from each other. We think we can tell who someone is based on whether they wear Nike or Gucci. Now, don't get me wrong, I love fashion. Just spent a ton of money on Black Friday. But part of why we delight in these clothes is to hide our inner darkness. I mean, think think of the first article of clothing. Adam and Eve, they sewed fig leaves together to hide their nakedness, to cover their shame. But again, Paul's not just talking about apparel. We clothe the mind as much as we do the body. I mean, particularly in a place like this. Um, we can hide behind our intellect, and our philosophy, and our political beliefs. There's a scene in C.S. Lewis's novel, The Great Divorce, in which there are two characters. One is a person who has died and has yet to enter heaven, and says he looks like a gray ghost. And the other is a shining figure who has died and been transformed into a divine version of himself. And the gray ghost is dignified, well-read, Lewis notes that he's an Episcopal bishop. (laughs) We don't know much about the shining figure, except that he understands reality in a way that the gray ghost does not. In response to everything the shining figure has to say about heaven, the gray ghost offers some kind of highbrow jargon. Well, this is extremely interesting, he says. It's a point of view. Certainly, it's a point of view. In the meantime, that's when the shining figure interrupts, he says, there is no meantime. All that is over. We are not playing now. You can begin as if nothing had ever gone wrong. White as snow. Will you even now repent and believe? To which the gray ghost responds, I'm not sure that I've got the exact point you're trying to make. I am not trying to make any point, says the Spirit. I'm telling you to repent and believe. I will bring you to the land not of questions, but of answers, and you shall see the face of God, he says. Do you see the thread between the shining figure? And the Apostle Paul, when he calls us to put on the armor of light, I mean, the glass that you and I see through darkly has a tendency to make everything look gray. But the light of Christ, it transforms your world into technicolor. It's a light that awakens the senses. It brings us back to reality. The works of darkness that Paul lists off, drunkenness, debauchery, licentiousness, they all have one thing in common they're used as a means to escape reality even quarreling and jealousy he mentions those they are meant to escape reality because they they misunderstand the reality that we are all sinners in need of god's mercy that we are all in darkness awaiting the one true light And Paul gives us a worthy alternative this morning. He says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Whereas the world says that we need to find our true selves. The Bible calls us to lose ourselves entirely in Jesus. To what end? What exactly is the result of our new Jesus outfit? Well, we somehow become more ourselves than we ever thought possible we might actually love each other. As embarrassing as it is to all be wearing the same thing, there's no more competition for the best costume since all of us are one in Christ Jesus. You see, this is where the gospel meets our actual lives. Dressed in our Jesus best, everything, I mean everything, the things that we thought were so important about ourselves and as well as our sin that we'd like to keep in the dark. Everything is covered by our consecrated costume. You know, to be clear, I'm, I'm not advocating for a fake it till you make it approach. I'm not saying that we should all try method acting as Jesus and really try to get into character. I mean, that would not last very long. We are bad actors in that sense. Instead, our hope, it comes from Christ who covers us. The core of this passage from Romans is believed to have come from a baptismal hymn. In his letter to the Galatians, Paul says, Inasmuch as you have been baptized into Christ, you have put on Christ. You see, underneath, we still will be the fearful people we were before our divine wardrobe change. But because we are dressed in Jesus himself, God somehow sees us as his obedient, loving children. Now Contrast that to Adam and Eve, who covered their naked bodies with fig leaves and hid from God. The gospel boldly proclaims that we are hidden in Christ. As the book of Isaiah says, "'My soul shall be joyful in my God, "'for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation.'" He has covered me with the robe of righteousness, as a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. That's so much better than a fig leaf. Now you and I, we will fail to put on Jesus Christ. We will quickly exchange our armor of light for a nice gray pullover. But that's why our hope is not in putting on Christ, but that He, the God of the universe, put on flesh. As Paul says in Philippians, he emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, assuming human likeness, and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So as we head into Advent, and you and I are charged to wake up Know that only the gospel of Jesus Christ will give you true rest and renewal. As you struggle to get out of bed this week, beneath all your weighted blankets, know that you are already covered in Christ, who has taken on the weight of the world to give you both rest and life to the full. Amen.